Good evening, you are listening to Three Moves Ahead. I'm your host, John Bolding, and tonight we have a, a bit of a treat as we have an interview with a up-and-coming game designer. We have here, uh, Mr. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Kyle Cookstell. I am working on the strategy video game Cantata. Uh, I'm glad I get to be the treat on Three Moves Ahead. It's exciting to be you get just a little bit of indie strategy developer as a treat, just a little bit. Just a little bit, a little tiny bit in these this year of massive releases too. Oh Big man, stuff coming out left and right, right? Yeah. But uh, Kyle is with uh, After School Studio, and he is planning. You all are planning. How many people are there at After School Studio? So we're, um, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. We're so we're three full time people. Um, it's me and two other programmers. Um, but then the the team working on Cantata is about uh, like eight to 11 ish. Um, and that's with people in varying capacities of part-time stuff. So that's people doing audio sound effects, the pixel art, character art, writing. Uh, yeah. And we have a publisher and they have their own, you know, team size. So we're not, it's not just me. Uh, I want to make sure that's clear, but, um, it, it was just me for, for a pretty long time. And then, um, we've been working at, in this in a more full-time capacity for about the past, um, two-ish years so small thing but not the smallest for sure yeah definitely not the smallest uh and cantata seems to be a game of extreme uh scope in many ways it's (laughs) it's very groundbreaking it has a lot of interesting things going on which is sort of like my catnip Uh, so can you go ahead and give us the the high level overview of what cantata is I will. I, I think just to, to nail what you're saying too about the scope, I think that the biggest realization in the past six months for me has been realizing how big this game is. It's sort of like, not like shooting myself in the foot, but like looking back on myself. And if I would have known when I started this, um, what I was getting into, I, I do not think <laughs> this would have happened. Um, but I will describe it to you now. Uh, and it, cause it is almost done. Um, so Cantata is a character driven tactical strategy game set in a spiritual sci-fi universe. Um, for the three moves ahead listener, it, you can think of it as something between like advanced wars and total war. Basically when I was initially pitching the game around, I would describe it as like advanced, advanced wars. Um, you have kind of traditional grid based tactical movement, but it's splayed out on a much, uh, larger, uh, a much larger scope. And part of doing that is also applying uh, more traditionally strategic things to a tactics framework. So one of our sort of key features is that um, building stuff in the game, well, not only can you build things on the map that you can't normally do in tactics games, um, logistics and resource management is also a huge part of the game. So you're kind of mining resources from planets in a sort of StarCraft style way, changing those into more specific resource types and using like almost like Factorio style supply lines to ferry those resources between buildings that you build to then produce uh, different types of units. Those units themselves have different stats, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. We have a whole podcast we can talk about, uh, that. but uh, yeah, so it's, uh, it's kind of like a, it's like, what if you actually just took the concept of a tactics game and put kind of, but saw it through a more of a grand strategy mindset and put all that stuff just on the map. So one of our big sort of goals for the game is to not have too many menus. So you're not like digging around and, um, you know, paradox style menu hell. Um, right. you're just kind of like, if you see it, you can do it. And that's kind of what we're trying to do. And so that means there's a lot of stuff we have to do in terms of UI UX to make sure it's like, you know, knowable. Um, but in general, I think we're starting to approach something where it feels like this kind of like tactics, war game, logistics, resource thing, and then on top of that is this like crazy whacked out, like, uh, you know, Dune meets, uh, and Lecky weird sci-fi Warhammer story thing. So <laughs> it's quite the, it, it is, it is really big. Like you said, John, in a, in a lot of ways. And, um, yeah, <laughs> it seems like a very singular product, right? Like this is not one of those, uh, focus tested or very thoroughly, no sort of cynically almost genre games 
No. Uh, it seems like a, a specific group of people were like, let's make these 10 weird ideas into it. Yeah. Game. Yeah. I mean, I think this is like, uh, this is a open secret. Um, but Cantata was inspired by uh, a three moves ahead episode that you all did back in 2013. Actually, crazily enough, I, I was listening to it today to recap it. Uh, it was the lost in space episode you did with uh it was Rob and Paul Dean. Um, and it was recorded on May 14th, 2013. So almost nine years to the day now, wow. uh, we are going to have the early access release of Cantata on May 12th. Um, so that's kind of the, for all you aspiring strategy game designers out there, maybe in nine years, you two will be releasing <laughs> some <laughs> game inspired by this. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's something that I think that for me, I was like, I mean, this, this podcast was basically, I was talking about kind of the issues with Forex, uh, space games, which a lot of it still stands. Um, but this was yeah, in a pre Stellaris world, uh, which I think is kind of, I think some of the stuff is still relevant. I've talked about that, but the stuff that kind of came up there, I was like, well, I was like, I like tactics games. I think there's a way to make a tactics space style game. Um, that's this certain way. Uh, and also like, just make it weird. Like, I think that so many, I think we haven't talked about this yet, but cantata, um, in terms of like an art style is like very vivid. It's, you know, we have pink mountains, tanks are orange, like, you don't necessarily read as those colors. When you look at it, it feels like cohesive. Um, but the game is sort of like this vibrant explosion of like personality and theme. And that was the other thing that I was like, you know, I don't want to, you know, uh, uh, Panzer general exists. Uh, you know, war games exist. I, I can't compete with that. I can, however, get like really cool artists to come in and make just like weird stuff, but then also underlie that with, I mean, what I hope is like a very compelling tactical strategic system. Um, and yeah, actually I, I was talking to a publisher who I, I won't name, um, but they're like a pretty, you know, they're well-known strategy war game publisher. And they told me that cantata was like too weird for their audience. They're like, we really like this. We think it's really smart. Like this is really cool, but, um, our audience won't play this because <laughs> it's not, you know, it's not like it's not brown and green tanks. Um, right. Which, you know, fine. That's fine. Or, those, those, or blue I play and those games spaceships. too. Or blue and purple spaceships. Um, there, are two, there are two kinds of strategy game. <laughs> so, uh, when you were approaching the, the original design concepts, what, what has stuck through to this point through the sort mm. of nine years of thinking about this broader idea? Um, like as i would say like surprisingly uh a large amount but only because the sort of core thing um wasn't was was like the the core thing was so clarified in my mind and that's specifically this concept of like large scale tactical stuff so i think that i mean correct me if i'm wrong but outside of like war games they're just like not large scale tactics games um you get like some operational level stuff, but that's still very much in like the Gary Grigsby camp. Yeah, um, it's very much like the, you're, you're completely think, correct. Like maybe, uh, maybe like mods of um, I forget that free to play game's name off the top of my head. Like fantasy free to play hex game that's been like around forever. Oh uh, yeah, Westnoth. Westnoth. Yeah, I think like you can get maybe some stuff in like Westnoth or whatever. That's very but, like, very big. Yeah. Yeah, like it just doesn't exist, and I think that part of the reason why is like, if you watch, um, if you watch people play something like West North, or I was watching someone who built like a grand quote unquote, grand strategy, advanced wars map, um, play that it is just like, so tedious. The design is like meant to be balanced for like, you know, a 12 by 12 grid. And that's totally fine. That's what like Wargroove did into the breach to something even like smaller than that. Um, so I think this concept of like large scale tactics has like been intact since, since, since that point. Um, similarly, uh, there's like, it's funny. There's like stuff that was in the initial designs that were dropped and then actually reincorporated. So one of the kind of major things is that in Cantata, 
Um, it's not just like an open, I mean, it is sort of in some ways an open map, but the map itself is split into uh, regions, as we call them, which are kind of groupings of tiles. Right. Uh, and those tiles um, act both as like thematic boundaries, but also they have a mechanical significance because they give you population. They might give you victory points. They also uh, control how many buildings you're able to build in that region in like a sort of a North Guard style thing. That was actually part of the original design that um, I had totally forgotten about until we kind of like were working on the game. And then about, I, remember, I guess it was sometime like mid last year, we were like, oh, we should put in regions. And we're like, yeah, this is a great idea. And then we did it. And I was looking at the design doc from like, again, seriously, like nine years ago. And was like, oh, wow, this was, <laughs> this was something that came up then. We were um, going to do this, right? We were going to do this. And we, you know, we, we dropped it and uh, now it's, it's back and it's, uh, it's great. It, it like shapes how the game plays. Um, so I think, I think like that core thing has been there and that, that sort of North star of saying, how do we make a tactics game that's fun to play at a large scale is kind of the thing that we're trying to solve. Um, so like that has been there. Other stuff has kind of like come and gone in terms of like how we, how we do that and how we approach that system. Um, but that core thing is definitely like the, the strongest thing that is the consistent North star of the design. Now, as you say that, I can't help but think of uh, Might and Magic, like Heroes of mm -hmm. Might and Magic 3 era, mm -hmm. where you would have these huge sprawling maps where you walked around and you captured little towns and you went on a, an elaborate adventure and story and you used your hero to do so. But in Cantata, it feels like you're doing something very similar. You're exploring a very big map, but the whole time you're sort of playing a, a tactics game. <laughs> rather than uh you know weird fantasy romp weird fantasy romp yeah where um it is it is sort of similar to like heroes of might and magic and especially like so that so like making the design work at a large scale meant that you didn't want to just be attacking like if you're if you're playing a large-scale tactics game and in you want to be able to do more than just like take this unit, click it here, attack, take this unit, click it here, attack. Like, um, you know, like again, like very war game style, especially for people who aren't war gamers, they want something that is like exciting to do on the map. Right. Um, so part of that was like actually kind of driving story stuff into the game itself to actually make those sort of exploration points. Like you would do in something like here's a might and magic, or, um, I guess recently even like heroes hour, instead of it being this thing where like, Oh, I go here because I know that I get, uh, you know, some cool resource that makes my hero stronger. You're sort of driven through the map by story beats and just this concept of exploration. Um, so the kind of playing the map is both, uh, you know, it is, it is a territory resource game. You're trying to take territory to get more places to build units, to build, you know, the traditional strategy, uh, loop there, but exploring the map is a sort of, experience of like discovering the story of the game to say like, well, what's happening here? You know, we don't really have cutscenes. We're an indie team. So a lot of that story has to exist kind of on the map. So part of the experience of playing the game is like kind of playing this, yeah, the strategic territory resource control game while also kind of running into stuff that's telling you more about the world. Um, there is still like also benefit in terms of like experience points and whatever else kind of around the map and in a more like gamey sense. Um, but on the map itself, it's, you're discovering story, you're discovering more insight into characters. And, um, our job is to make that stuff be compelling to you. So it feels meaningful and you feel like you want to explore versus just, you know, tunneling to the main goal or something. Right. Do you, do you feel like as you designed this game, cause I think, I think the territories, which you brought up is one of the mm -hmm. really key things in that the demo you had released last year, mm -hmm. I think, uh, was interesting, but it didn't it didn't have the territories mechanism, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And sitting and playing the demo that you released earlier, just a few weeks ago this year, uh, gave a much different feel in mm -hmm. that it it drove you forward. You wanted to capture more territories so that you had more space to build. Um, and it helped you understand like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to spread out my supply lines across the map as we right. go. Like, uh, there was a, a certain joy to it, I guess. 
And <laughs> at the same time, I found an interesting conceit of cantata that of your design, at least so far, that you are very deliberate in limiting what a player can do each turn. Mm -hmm. You are also very deliberate in limiting how much a player could actually do over the course of the entire map. Um, mm -hmm. There is there is one set of resources and there is a finite amount of that resource on the map to be gotten. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, if you run out of resources, you, you've, you're out. That's it. Uh, and some you, players uh, chagrin, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which I found it really interesting, and, and you've changed that design conceit over time as well. Yeah, I think, um, so for the listeners, John's referring to a, a demo that we did as part of Gamescom, kind of when we did like a big announcement. Cantata, I mean, I've been working on this game not fully for nine years, but I mean, it's been, it was a long time coming before we got a publisher. Um, and that's when I fully like left my day job to, to work on this game. Um, the demo we did last year had, it was basically, yeah, there were no regions. Um, and AP, this like action resource was like, it was like a fundamental part of every single action. So there's sort of two things going on there. One was that, um, for the, from the AP side, I, I have like, Part of Cantata, right, is like I'm, I play strategy games. Part of what I want to do with it is solve problems that I feel like exist in strategy games, especially in like the sort of 4X or I would even call it like 3X genre that Cantata is playing in. One of which is that um, the longer you play the game, the longer the turns take and stuff just grinds. Um, so we were looking at doing kind of this limited action resource pool that just increases as you level up. Um what, but meaning that what you, what happens is that the units you can only take so many actions per turn. Uh, very similar, actually, to Old World. Um, shout right. out to Soren Johnson. Um, uh, so it's similar in that sort of way. Uh, but what sort of came up and what I sort of saw after actually playing Old World um, and playing Cantata, especially around the time we did that Gamescom demo, was that 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 system works provided you have a sort of lower number of units generally. So if you're playing something like old world, you might have like you, you have like Civ esque numbers of units, right? You might have right, like five seven, to seven. Yeah. Maybe like 15, if you're like really going hard in a war or something, um, in Cantata, like you will just have 15 units at a baseline if not more, because it's about kind of building, it's about larger armies clashing with each other. And what that ended up meaning was that we were sort of, we'd end up like limiting players that just wanted to do basic actions. Um, so people would have like a line of six units or something they wanted to push forward. And if each of those units cost one AP to move, but you had, you know, five AP, that means you're going to take at least two turns just to move those units. But then also that all that AP is gone and so you can't do any building. You can't do anything else. Um, that's like all you can do that turn. So what it ended up doing was that it did cut down turn times, but it just made the whole game longer <laughs> as well. Right. Um, and so we kind of were like, went back to the drawing board and we were like, well, people really don't like this. Um, what can we do? And one of the ideas that kind of got surfaced, which is represented um, in the game as of, uh, as of now, is that we look at AP more as like a stretch resource so we are back to uh, every unit basically can move an attack for free once per turn. Um, but then if they want to do that action again, you dip into that AP cost. Um, so you can right. sort of push units a little further. Um, we're also like looking at doing stuff where uh, you can sort of do select move on units and move multiple things at once. So you can basically reduce the sort of busy work of like saying, okay, well, I know this line of six units needs to move here. I just want to do that. I don't want to have to, click 10 times to do this. So we kind of like got rid of that. And that, I mean, that's been received super well. I think that we sort of were like, you know, I was, I've been playing like a lot of strategy board games and I was like, Oh, they have like limited actions. It works really great. Let's do it in Cantata. Um, and then we kind of ran into the fact that Cantata is a video game. It's much bigger. It can simulate a lot more. Um, and people just, you know, <laughs> despite my own like 
philosophical leanings for how I wanted this game to work. It just like didn't work. Um, so we scrapped that and do what we do now, which they do think is a lot better. The region right. thing was the other the, thing, which was like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the uh, the moving of individual units is a bane for video games, right? Because of the, oh my God. Yeah. Because of the form factor, because of the design. Whereas in a in a board war game, you can just use the flat of your hand to push an entire just stack push them of tokens all. and be like, yeah, yeah, I moved all my dudes, right? Uh, or even in, you know, you've, in miniatures games, you end up with like movement trays, right? Yep. With you the, have like the, the long stick. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I've joked about putting like a, a little stick cursor in Cantata for the multi-select where you like select a lot of things and it gives you like the little, like the HG Wells. Absolutely. Ar- army pusher. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. That, that's another thing that's really surprising in just terms of like, if someone's interested in developing a strategy game is that um, developing mechanics is like very easy. It's very easy to bolt on systems the really hard thing to do in making a strategy game is exposing that meaningfully to a player. Uh, and we run into this like all the time in Cantata, I think in part because we're trying to bring in other people who wouldn't traditionally play strategy games to play the, our game. Um, which I think we do to some degree. It's like, it's the art is like very different. It attracts people who are interested in more in like the art side. And they would kind of like, ha ha ha, you're playing a logistics game. <laughs> um, but those people don't like, they don't have the patience that like, a Gary Grigsby war war gamer has like, they do not want to right. click 30 units on a front line and like that, 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 the whole way. So we kind of run into this. And so we, in some ways, the systems that we implement in the game are hamstrung uh, in a positive feedback cycle with how much we can expose that to a player to sort of be accessible. So a lot of the, the game is saying like, well, how can we increase the strategic and tactical depth while not also increasing like the cognitive bur- burden of interacting with that system? Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. And then I was on the region thing, just in terms of the difference. Cause I do think this was an interesting point. Um, when we were first sort of thinking of cantata, we were kind of conceiving it of, of it as this like tactical sandbox, right? You're like, cool. I got this giant map, got all these units. I'm just going to like throw them at each other and like do whatever. Um, and actually, uh, again, shout out to Soren Johnson, a post he wrote a long time ago called, uh, water finds a crack, which is basically about kind of trying to save players from themselves. Um, I thought it'd be really cool to have like big open maps that are uh, like just kind of very free form. And as, as cool as that sounds in practice, like everyone hated that. <laughs> like players <laughs> like wanted to be directed towards like what to do for a goal. Um, and the region mechanics were introduced in part to solve that, to say, okay, well there's actually a, a there's a constraint to how much you can do in a given area. So you have to expand outside of that area. When we didn't have that, if you go back and watch videos from people on Gamescom, everyone just built their base within like a 10 tile radius. Yeah, you build no your one, base like no it's an expanded. RTS. Yeah, you build your base like an RTS. Yeah, because um, you think no, these are all my buildings. This is where they go. It's that's where they the go. They go on my base. So doing some of this is like both trying to like shape. It's just trying to like shape the player experience to be something that meaningfully engages with the game's systems or not just being so coercive to say like, don't turtle um, because you can still turtle. Uh, so yeah, that was like a big change. And that also kind of, it gave us other like design affordances to say, okay, well now we have regions, we can attach population to that. Whereas before there wasn't any sort of meaningful grouping or like even representation of the concept of like owned terrain. Um, but turns out having that is really useful, both from like a gameplay perspective, but also just in terms of helping players feel like they're, they're like accomplishing something. So now, as you were working through how to design these big maps and make them into interesting play space, how did that affect what you were ultimately doing when it came to resources and action points? Because when I was playing, as I've played your demos, I found myself really interested in how I'm building supply lines, where I'm building them, and how I can build them better to mm-hmm. keep myself moving forward, right? To keep my army efficient. So I would do a lot like it's a, it's a little counterintuitive to how other people play strategy games, but at least for me, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this. I would build 
my most advanced buildings as, as far forward as I could. And I would push resources yeah. to them yeah. <laughs> from the rear as quickly as possible yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that yeah. I could get those better units to the front as quickly as possible. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but how did that affect your design philosophy, right? Of like where you get resources, how you get them, and then how you turn resources into materials and move those materials between buildings with a supply line or a supply depot to produce, you know, equipment, right? Uh, there are some pretty deep chains in this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the honest truth, John, is that it's like, it's evolving every day. Um, I think that we are, it is, it is very hard to design this type of game. I think one that is not, uh, from, from the campaign perspective specifically, um, it is, it is a game that is both centered around the concept of like resource capture and tech trees while also trying to be narrative at the same time. Right. And like the, the game when it launches into early access on May 12th, um, we'll have three, uh, three of the campaign maps. Each of these we say is like two to three hours long, depending might be a little shorter, might be a little longer. Uh, and then the full game will have nine maps. And honestly, like each of these maps has a different approach to that question. Some of them are just like flat out big battle stuff. Some of them are like actually more like XCOM where we say, okay, actually you have a smaller number of units and we allow you to, the way you get stuff isn't just the exact same paradigm every time. And so a little bit of it is us just saying like, what feels like it can work inside the system that we built? Some stuff will be better and some stuff will be worse. And that's part of the reason we're going into early access is it'd be like, what do people like? here like what is what is the thing that like really hits um and i think chapters one two and three which will be in early access each kind of have a different slice of an answer to that question chapter one is like the that's the chapter you get and you play the demo um it's like pretty standard i think it's like it represents our first guess at like how do we approach this type of thing each other map um kind of pivots around that concept moving more into a kind of large scale region territory capture thing. And then some of them going in the opposite direction to be much smaller. Um, so it, it's like, it's a, it feels like it's honestly feels like a little bit of a discussion and like a, it's a dialogue between not only like um, the mechanics and the designers, but also the players who are playing it because the stuff that we think is cool. Sometimes other people who are playing it are like, actually, this is like very tedious or I really like this. I really want more of this sort of thing. So, we're sort of the part of the reason we're going in early access is really to like nail this question down um, and say like, what is the stuff that we can amplify that feels like it's really good. And then other stuff that we can sort of put to the side if it feels bad. Um, I often joke about like just cantata two, <laughs> like existing, <laughs> even though cantata one's not out yet. And I think that there's definitely some stuff here that will, I imagine will come up where we're like, okay, well actually that feels like a, it's not necessarily the second game, but it's like, okay, that, thinking about people really respond to chapter five. They like that. Let's just make our next map be an expansion or, you know, cantata two that can be more like this chapter five that people really like. Um, I also suspect that like given the sort of range of possibility we're trying to put on display um, that it will be split. Some people will say like, I really like small scale tactics stuff. I really like the maps where I get to play small scales tactics. Some people will be like, I really love playing war games. I love the big maps. Um, and that will kind of be the, you know, that that's a burden on us to say, how do we make both those people happy? And sometimes we'll make some of them happy. Sometimes we'll make neither happy. And hopefully everyone's just excited to play the game. Um, so that, it's, it's hard. Is that a, it's really a hard. <laughs> source of stress? Yeah. For the team, just knowing that you're making something that you don't, you don't have a lot of, existing models to base what a level should look mm -hmm. like on you don't necessarily know uh, dude it's so hard it's like it i don't want to like i don't want to like toot my horn and be like y'all who buy the game listen y'all be nice to us like that's that's definitely like not the thing i'm trying to say but i think that not being able to just point to something and say we're gonna make it like that has been like super difficult not only from the perspective of when we first scripted the campaigns to actually like write them to like designing them like the closest thing that we sort of get to is like turn-based RTS a little bit. Right. Like there's kind of like, you could almost think of it as like a turn-based Starcraft kind of, but that even that kind of like falls down, but like, yeah, no, no one does like any sort of grand strategy game. Um, 
the like the action that you're taking is often so divorced from the action on the map. Even something yeah. like Warhammer Three, Shogun, um, Three Kingdoms, like all that stuff is the narrative is sort of happening, but it's happening at this level that is even like above the strategic layer, right? It's like this whole sort of like other thing that just kind of happens loosely based on triggers. Whereas Cantata is like, what if inside the tactical view, like the story was taking place? (laughs) And that's like, it's, it's hard to find stuff that's like similar. So I think that a lot of us, like, you know, when we first started actually designing these maps and I'm working with these two really great designers, um, the first thing that we did was like, just figuring out what a Cantata map was. We're like, like what works? And we have some answers, but I'm not sure that they're the best answers. I think we'll get there. Um, but some of the, yeah, it's, it's what we'll see, you know, it's, it's hard to say. Yeah. Because playing, I can see, oh yeah, you could, you could sort of make just an RTS map and play that, or you could make the sort of story driven Starcraft campaign maps where, you know, you right. have 12 units and maybe you get to build a couple buildings, but you don't really gather a lot of resources or you only get them by blowing up the enemy or you could build, I mean, you could build a heroes of bite and magic type map where yep. there's weird resources everywhere, but you kind of have to journey long distances and fight weird battles to get them. It it's interesting. And I, I guess both a credit to the design and probably a source of extreme stress <laughs> that I can say all those diversely different kinds of gameplay and say, yeah, I think, I think you could do any of those. Yeah, you could, I mean, you could, you could literally, um, you can make a map that's just one character that just levels up. It's <laughs> just yeah. like, and the goal, it's like you're doing, um, like in breath of the wild, there was that Island. Uh, I forget what it was called where you like lose all your gear. They take everything from you. Right. Yeah. 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 You could basically play a cantata map like that, where you start with one unit with like no levels and you're just trying to attack stuff. And um, you sort of have to tactical puzzle it out and figure out yeah. exactly, exactly how to win. I think that's completely true. Uh, I mean, that's, it's, it's also like the other part of this. So we haven't really, touched on is like um the the game itself is sort of designed to be moddable as like a first principle um that literally the, the the core when you think of cantata and all the art and the terrains and stuff like that it's is even itself a mod so you can fully like do you can like really just overhaul the game so part of this flexibility is kind of like an outcome of making a game like that where we're not we try as much as we can when we program the game to not bake in assumptions. Like we'll say stuff like, okay, well, no, no units in Cantata can supply stuff while also moving. However, we should support that. And so we need, we need a program for that because we can't guarantee that someone doesn't make a mod or something that has that sort of thing. Right. So I think that there's some of that fuzziness in the design lends itself to making maps that kind of have a lot of possibility. And like the designers, you know, the designers want to be interested in their work too. So they don't want to sit down and make, you know, just skirmish maps all day. They're like, well, actually let's, let's get weird with the editor. Like if we're going to make some campaign maps, we're going to make stuff that feels different because we already gave some player this other experience. If you wanted that experience again, you can go play that map again, or we can like give you something different to kind of like both act as a, something that feels meaningful to like uh, encounter and play, um, but also just feel like exciting and different. Uh, than what you've already been expected to play in the game. Yeah. Um, now, I want to say you're probably the third indie developer I've spoken to in the last year who has brought up the idea of modability as sort of a fundamental design conceit of your game. Like you built it day one, ground up mm-hmm. to be modable. And it's interesting to see that not only is that idea catching on, but how does how does it sort of make you feel to know that like you built the tool and then you're just going to give the players the same tool you used to design the game maps and tell them to go to town with it? I mean, I think like there's 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 like a, there's a few dimensions to this. One of them is that um like prior to uh like prior to like Wargroove, we were like the only advanced wars ish game in town where we, the, the lineage is harder to see now considering all the other stuff that's in cantata. But, um, there was a time when it was like just us. Right. Uh, and I was like, Oh man, I want to make a game where like people can just kind of like play advanced Wars style stuff. And I don't want to make advanced wars. People could like mod that in. So it was like this sort of altruistic like 
you know, I want to make something people can like play and, you know, they can, they can have the advanced wars experience for them. Um, and they can mod in the advanced wars units or whatever. Um, the other sort of like side of this that's become sort of more, I'm more interested in, uh, especially as like, I mean, it's really worth stating the designers who are making the maps for the campaign are literally using the same tool we'll be giving to people day one, um, with the early access release. So there's no, I mean, I want to, I'm like 99.9% .9 sure this is true, but there is just like no hard coding in the scenarios The the designers using the same exact thing that players will get. So there's like the flexibility is there. Um, one, one thing I really want for Cantata, like, you know, John, it's hard out here to be an indie strategy game. <laughs> We're competing with like <laughs> the reason there's not a lot of these games is because these games are like really hard to make and you're competing with basically incumbents. Um, I think the benefit is that you do get people like strategy players are generally way more starved for games than like first person shooter platformer right. people. So people will play new stuff, but just because these games are harder and more complex to make, there's just fewer of them generally. Um, and so knowing that and knowing that like, okay, well, Cantata has to stand out. Like if we're, if we're going to try to compete with the big boys, we're going to try to compete with creative assembly. We're going to try to compete with for Like there has to be something that makes us stand out and just doing one single player campaign is like, not that. Um, right. So the modding is like, in some senses, this other part of that, especially as all those other companies I just mentioned have sort of moved away from that to some degree in part, because like the, the fidelity and stuff that they're targeting is a lot more intense than like 2d pixel sprite art. Um, so there's this like other sort of like angle of saying, how do we make Cantata stand out and super easy to use modding is like a big thing. Um, and there's also this other thing where, you know, you ask someone, well, you know, what's the best game of Thrones game? And they're like, well, it's crusader Kings with the game of Thrones mod. <laughs> and I think that there's a way where it's like, someone's going to say like, well, what's the best tactical star Wars game or like what's the best Lord of the Rings tactics game or what's the best Dune tactics game. And I want that answer to be cantata with those mods, right? Like there's nothing stopping people besides, you know, the ire of Disney of just like making, um, making mods that represent those themes or other stuff like shout out to like kill 6 billion demons or like Lancer or whatever, like making mods that represent those experiences and are able to then play them with like a tactically rich system um, in Cantata. Like that, that's like kind of the other goal of this is to say like, I mean, I'm like, you know, what was the last like tactical Star Wars game? It was like, um, there's like the RTS been, one from yeah. like 20 years ago. Like the one that was like an Age of Empires 2 mod. Yeah, yeah. Existed. It's like, I want to play like a tactic Star Wars game. Like, I guess I'll make it. Like that's kind of, that's kind of where it's at. Um, right. so there's, it's like, it's multidimensional. It's both like, I think as a, as someone making this type of game, it would be silly for us not to do it. There's like a very like grubby capitalist side where it's like, we need to stand out in the marketplace. And then there's like an aspirational side where I'm like, well, I really want to play. I want to play the star Wars mod. I want to play the Dune mod. Like right. I want to fight over Arrakis with some like awesome pixel art that people made on this like crazy map. They got all these cool triggers. And there's like a sandworm that someone like hacked to make work or something like that sounds really fun to me. Right. Um, and I'm giving people the tools to do that. And I hope, you know, cross your fingers, hopefully it catches on because if there's no people doing it, then you know, it doesn't work. Not so much. So when you talk about standing out, I think it's worth acknowledging that Cantata has a super interesting world going on. It has this sort of, uh, illustrative, um, I, I hate to use this descriptor cause it doesn't mean anything means it i guess it means a different thing to everyone but comic book art style right uh yeah yeah, yeah you've got yeah. very heavy heavy lines a lot of use of shadow and shading in the character portraits and concept art uh and at the same time you've got a very we talked about this early in the episode you know orange mountains um purple <laughs> purple tanks inside the world itself you've got a very specific color palette that you're working with to make the game look very distinctive and it, it really does stand out even compared to titles that are like it, like your war grooves or your into the breach mm -hmm. uh, where it, it's clearly a very separate thing. When you're looking at that world design, it's a broad swath you're drawing from, but it definitely comes out of the, 
70s, early Mm -hmm. 80s science fiction, uh, things like Dune, um, like Warhammer 40,000, obviously also drawing from Dune. Um, It all comes back to Dune. We all know that. But (laughs) but at the same time, you've got you've got your own interesting and unique thing going on. There's a there's a very specific thread inside Cantata's story that anyone who's played these demos can tease out where it's it's about alternate consciousnesses. There's a, a machine mind and maybe some sort of vast biological mind at work. Uh, how are you really trying to drive that flavor into the factions of the game? And I guess this is a great time to sort of outline what those factions are. Yeah. I mean, I guess at a high level, I think that <laughs> I've like, I've described Cantata before as like transgressive. Like it, it feels like it shouldn't exist. Um, yeah, it, it feels some, like some of the art belongs in like a dirty punk zine. It doesn't like no one puts that in a strategy game, man. Like you, you like I'm like you play like Hearts of Iron Four, and you're used to seeing like a black and white picture of FDR, and like that's the extent of art you get, right? I mean, shout right. out to Hearts of Iron Four; it's a great game. You know, I got no qualms with that. Um, but like the stuff that we're trying to do is just to say, like, can we cuss on this podcast? I forget we can cuss on this podcast. We're just trying to fuck it up, man. Like we're trying to say like, <laughs> can we make this just be cool? Like, can we just, can we, and not, not only like cool, but like, can it just be different? You know, I, I think that there's a, there's an assumption in the genre that, you know, tactical and strategic fidelity is sort of coupled with like boring art. And I think that, and, and honestly, like when I was first mood boarding Cantata out and I was like thinking about what I wanted to do, I was like very taken with like the sort of neo cyberpunk aesthetic. These like actually a lot like what the new Dune movie ended up being like that vibe. Okay. Yeah. Was like what I was thinking for Cantata. And then, um, I saw this talk by the designer of Beglitched, uh, Ginny Jausha, Ginny Jausha mentioning like, she was like, just make it pink. Like Big Glitched is this game from a while ago. That's basically a puzzle game. You could have imagined it being kind of any sort of traditional style, like sliding block games that was kind of looks whatever, but she just like made it be bright and weird. And it like had this whole vibe. And I was like, you know what? Yeah. Like let's just do that. And so I think that part of the the development of that theme has been so much of just saying like, what if we just don't do what the normal thing is? Like, we like we have art the tactical depth of Cantata on a, like a per unit basis is pretty intense. You've got movement ranges, attack ranges, attack patterns, perks, levels, individual projects, storage, supply inputs, supply outputs. Like it's a lot. There's a lot. Right? There's a lot of stuff there, and in most games that have that sort of stuff, they would say, okay, well the unit looks like uh you know looks like a tree stump or something like it it's not exciting. And we're like, well, what if we can actually just have that tactical depth, but also have some cool theme attached to that. So, so much of the development of that sort of theme and world has just been saying, where can we push here? Where can, where can we push beyond and still be sort of acceptable or at least tolerable by someone who plays games that look like tree stumps, um, which shout out to those games. I love those games. I've um, a lot of games that look like tree stumps. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. Um, and so, so and I think so. Part of that started from working with like the writer, uh, Roy Graham, um, and having just a different foundation of what we're trying to pull from. So, instead of honestly like looking at stuff like Dune, looking at stuff more like Anne Lecky and um, the sort of ancillary Justice trilogy of, of like and some other like sci-fi stuff, saying like, what does it mean to have other minds? What is like a science uh, science fiction that sort of I mean, liberal is a weird word, but it's like kind of more expansive in terms of its understanding of the future. Um, let's go there. And then also from an art perspective, um, the artist who's doing all the art that you've seen, his name is Artem uh, Trakhanov. He's like a comic book artist for like image comics. And I, I, we had met over our shared mutual love of Disco Elysium. And I was like, yo, your art is great. You want to make some stuff for a video game? And it's, he's like, a strategy video game. It's like, yeah, let's just try it. See, <laughs> see what happens. Um, and I think it works. Like, I think that it, it makes these like sprites sort of come to life. It gives them this whole theme. So, it, so in terms of just developing that at a baseline, it's, it's just like, it's a giant game of telephone between both our references, 
and also looking at stuff that feels outside the scope of what strategy games typically look at while also trying to be legible mechanically. So it is still, you know, you're not just playing a game that is like an art house strategy game. Um, there is like a rich tactical complexity here that I think that is surprising to people because of our art. And so that's kind of, I, I like that, that dissonance a little bit where people come in, expect something, especially like the more hardcore strategy people, they come in sort of expecting something that's much lighter. And then we're like, no dog, there's like, there's movement ranges. <laughs> like, there's a, there's, there's, there's supply lines and logistics. Um, I, I, uh, I think a great example of this, at least for me was in the base demo, who knows, you know, if this is something that's going to make it into the final <laughs> game, but um, the conscripts for the, the sort of yeah. Imperial faction have like, they have several jobs and it's cool because you don't expect the infantry unit in advanced wars does not do anything interesting mm-hmm. at all. And indeed the infantry unit in most tactics games that look like a tree stump or what have you <laughs> don't do anything interesting at all. Uh, I really like that the, the conscripts, they have several jobs on the battlefield. They're obviously like they're chaff, right? They, they stand mm-hmm. between valuable units and the enemy, but they can, they can fortify. I was delighted mm-hmm. to see that they had gained the ability to entrench in the past mm-hmm. year. Uh, in your latest demo, and they can also <laughs> do a thing which I think is hysterical, which is they have they have a job, and their job is to plant flags. Yeah, <laughs> like they're supposed to run forward, shoot at the enemy, die. But when you make it to the top of the hill, which is to say, in a new territory, your job you're supposed to put down flags, right? And mm-hmm. they they put down these flags, and the flags add pressure so that you can capture the territory. <laughs> from the enemy and that it's kind of delightful to just be like all right wait wave of worthless conscripts run forward and die because i you have one job here and that is to distract the enemy and plant flags yeah i mean that was like that was another huge thing that um you had mentioned you'd asked earlier about kind of differences between the factions i think that that was like a big thing for us was saying um not only do we want, so, so I guess we're saying people who like advanced wars, every faction in cantata is like asymmetric. So you do, it's just because you're playing the human faction, the other two factions do not have the same unit roster. Um, they are pretty significantly different. Um, I mean, they still use the same mechanics, but they're not like, it's not like in advanced wars where you just have reskinned units of different colors. Right. It's not a, it's um, not a mirror match every time or what have you. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At the baseline, so, that sort of machine factions, uh, cheapest units are all melee units right yeah 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 so sim- yeah, yeah, exa- there's like there's similar there are some similar archetypes but there are like stuff like the, what you're describing with the conscript like doesn't exist in other factions um and i think that a huge part of the game for us was to say and this kind of ties back to your earlier question about like theme is you know we wanted the factions mechanics to feel evocative of the theme of the um factions themselves so uh, just a little bit about the faction. So like the, the human faction, the 111th reign of harmony and prosper, they're kind of your more, they're like, they're traditional They're If you know about a tech tree, they, they effectively have um, a tech tree of buildings placed on the map um, that funnel resources through them and uh, different resources combined to make more complex resources. And those resources combined to make stronger units. Um, that's kind of like your traditional thing. Uh, they're they're the, and they're they're the reason you play them in chapter one because it's kind of an onboard into what stuff gets weirder. Um, other factions like the um, the people of Sun and Shadow or like the alien faction, um, their buildings are all more standalone. So instead of having the human faction where you have to have effectively a, a sort of a single supply network to supply kind of forward buildings that produce strong units, the alien faction is actually really good at kind of doing uh placing down bases really quickly that don't have a lot of dependencies so they also have units that support that they have like a unit uh called a summoner that's able to summon units to it um they're the alien mining unit uh is also a unit that can heal and is mobile so instead of in the human faction where you have to place these like mining facilities on top of resource nodes the alien faction can actually move this uh healer unit onto resource tiles and territories that it doesn't own. So it can basically start sapping resources kind of at places where it doesn't have control yet. Um, 
And then the machine faction, uh, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff with those two factions, but then the machine faction is like much stronger. Um, so a lot of their stuff has kind of higher resource costs, but also their supply networks themselves are more specialized. So whereas the human faction, you're kind of always trying to build the best unit for the human faction, um, or something in between, but there is like a goal. The machine faction is more kind of like utility based where, you won't necessarily have one big supply network, but you'll have a lot of smaller networks that are specifically geared towards developing a specific unit. Um, one that might be really good at uh, like reconstituting stuff that machines drop. So when a machine dies, it drops scrap on the map and then that scrap can be collected and then rebuilt into new machine units. Humans don't have that ability. Neither do the aliens. Um, the aliens do have this other crazy ability where if an alien, every alien uh, unit requires a ghost to be built. And when an alien unit dies, it like drops its ghost and that ghost can basically be moved back to your supply network and reconstituted into a new alien with the sort of caveat that ghosts are very expensive to build. So if you're an alien, you might be churning through a lot of units, but you're also gonna be trying to hike ghosts back to your base unless you have a forward base because you want to not sort of waste resources to build new ghosts. So there's like a lot of just like stuff like that. That's trying to inject these factions with mechanics that feel thematically evocative to say like, you know, what it like the aliens are, there's like, there's a whole story behind them and they're like weird or whatever, but like the, it's not just, okay, you're placing down a base, but it's got this theme instead. It's like, no, the way you literally act as this faction feels thematically like this faction and is pretty significantly different from how you would control a human faction. Right. So I think that so much of the work that we try to do is to, when we're thinking about unit rosters and stuff, it's saying like, what, what does this faction feel like it's missing thematically? And then can we add that in versus just saying, okay, well this, this unit needs its tank or something, or this unit needs its artillery. Right. There's not a, you're not checking off boxes. Yeah. Which I, I find to always be sort of, I think any everyone agrees like asymmetric designs are often the most interesting, even in very realistic games. Um, how are you? Uh, how are you feeling at this point about your characters? Because there are, I think, your material says like three commanders per faction. What what's that differentiation mm -hmm. look like? I think so. Those are super fun. So there's three um, commanding officers per faction. The 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 main campaign story of the game is nine different chapters. Each chapter corresponds to a specific commanding officer. So over the course of nine chapters, you'll sort of play as each one. Um, you can think in the, and the story progresses linearly through each one. So each story is taking place through someone else's, someone else's eyes. Um, but the story is sort of moving forward in linear time. If that like makes sense. Um, and those were like super fun because they, uh, you know, at, at first we were like, okay, well, we need commanding officer powers or something. Like we need like our advance wars thing. And then I think with a lot of stuff in Cantata, as the like as the style of game started to become more clear, um, we started pairing back or kind of removing stuff or things that we didn't really need when we understood what kind of game we were. So one of those was like, oh, we don't need to have the ability to have multiple units per tile because the maps are so big. Um, so like that went away commanding officer powers. We're also like, well, we don't really need commanding officer powers. Cause those, the whole intention of those was to be very swingy to kind of balance games that were fundamentally puzzles. Cantata right. is not a puzzle. Um, so when we sort of knew that we were like, well, you know, the, what can we do for this faction for these commanding officers? If they're not supposed to be these like huge swingy things. And the answer is that, you just go super hard in theme. So the prompt to the writer was like, who exists in this world? Like who, it's not like we need a character who can make sure that when they proc their like double turn ability, that it feels, you know, narratively significant for them. It was totally inverted um, to say like who exists here and then kind of trying to cut the widest spread of that as possible. So for the human faction, um, the three commanding officers, there's a, the Shotar of Mars, who is who you play as in the first chapter, who's this kind of like annoying prince who's been like relegated this army to kind of go 
quell this rebellion. Um, no one likes him. He's been sent with his kind of like handler, sort of the executive. And she, she's, um, she's got like a huge business interest in the war that's going on on this planet, but is also sort of sent to oversee the Shotar as well, because he's tied up in her business interests. And then the third character, I don't know if we talked about them yet, um, but they're called the prophet and they're this sort of religious leader of a, um, kind of like a doomsday cult back on like the home system that's been, uh, effectively captured by, by the rain in order to, uh, be a kind of commander in the field for the troops that believe in them. So that's kind of like where we started was to say like who exists. And then from there we kind of taper out and say, okay, well, if the, you know, if the prophet is this leader with a lot of like morale boosts, like maybe we can give them, some sort of abilities that kind of lean into that. Like maybe they can um, like increase, maybe like they can, maybe not that you can heal, but we have this concept of cooldowns. So maybe they can like heal cooldowns on units in a radius around them or something. Um, and then the executive, <laughs> what the executive does is that uh, when, uh, when human units, when, when non uh, machine, or I guess non uh, like mechanical human units die, like conscripts, they drop right. remains um, the executive is able to use those remains and basically cash them in for global supply. <laughs> so she's like sending it back to like get money. Uh, so it's like, it's like stuff like that. It's like, it's saying that like, you know, these people should feel thematically significant and, and they do need to have kind of like one-off abilities. So they feel special. Um, but again, it's tying it back to that theme to say like, well, what does that mean? Like, how can we, how can we express this through the mechanics that we already have instead of just trying to invent a system of mechanics just for them specifically. Right. This is also again, sort of hamstrung by the modding stuff where we're like, if we have one off special CO powers, then that means we're sort of hard coding that stuff. We don't want to do that. So our goal is to come up with interesting interpretations of core mechanics and applying them to the commanding officers. Right. See how the, the commanding officers, and it seems like that's a lot of your design philosophy with Cantata is to build off of core mechanics rather than, uh, make mm-hmm. a large suite mm-hmm. of exceptions. Yeah. I mean, it does suck. It would be nice to just be like, yeah, let's just make a lot of exceptions and it's just design it that easier. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a uh, much more mainstream design school. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a 50, 50 split in like board games, board games like to make a core yep. mechanic and stick to it. But then you've also got your big sprawling war games where everything's an exception all the time. Uh, yep you know, games like Twilight Imperium, whereas yep. in in video game strategy design, especially in the last five or six years, we've seen a lot of very highly asymmetrical exception-based sets of rules uh, in like the Total War Warhammer series where every faction barely plays like any other faction. Right, 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 right. Uh, and sort of is just running by its own set of baseline assumptions and rules. Uh, and it's just breaking, breaking the rules in all of its own ways. Right. I guess it's weird. Like, do you feel like that's meaningful in those games? It is a, it's a strong baseline assumption mm-hmm. for design in that if you have a giant team of people, you can make it work. Like you can brute force it into functioning is <laughs> as a strategy game. And that's sort of the truth, right? You don't have to necessarily have a single solid set because six months in, you can be like, oh, I just don't think cavalry works right and <laughs> task five people to rewrite the cavalry physics. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it's just like, not an option uh, at this scale of development, right? It's, it's something that like we, we struggle with where um, I feel like we can punch up, you know, we're a small team, but like I play humankind, right? And I like mouse over a stat in that game or, or in total war. And I just see this like breakdown of like 30 lines of percentage bonuses. And I'm like, I guess this mat, like, I guess this matters. Like what? Like I understand that the game is accumulating these small bonuses to like sure. make this number yeah. go up. Right. And I think that like, there is a, there is like a, a dimension of strategy gamers who really like that thing. And I'm like, I'm like, cool. You like that. That's great. I think for like, for something like Cantata, like, so much of what we're trying to do is to just, again, like putting everything on the map to say like, what if that just doesn't exist? Like we have deterministic combat for now, mostly like 
you don't have this giant accumulation of stat bonuses. It's like, you just have what's there and we're going to try to like, just do our thing with what's there instead of trying to inject. I mean, it's like, it's the, it's the boring Sid Meier line, right. Of, um, make Nothing sure the computer's not having more fun. Nothing <laughs> Sid Meier says is ever boring. Yeah, it's true. Except when he talks about playing the organ. Um, nope. Even not, the organs are exciting. Either. Yeah. He needs to write a book <laughs> on playing the organ. Um, Sid Meier's organ. I love it. Uh, he new Bach game. Um, like, I think that when you mouse over those things and stuff like total war or like humankind or Civ, sure, and yeah. you see these like huge percentage bonus breakdowns, like I think so much of what Cantata is trying to do is to say like, we don't think that matters. That can matter in those types of games, but we're like, you're playing with these units on this field. Look at that. Like <laughs> this yeah, is, this is right. the thing that you're trying to do. And so I think in terms of like the asymmetry stuff, I feel like so, so often it's like what that like in, in bigger games that are trying to push strong asymmetry, the actual like stuff of how that shakes out when you're like in the battle, staring stuff down, you know, attack moving, it feels like so small. And what Cantata tries to do is to say like, actually that asymmetry really matters because you're playing on a turn-based grid. <laughs> so like if that unit's movement range is like one higher not only does that meaningful to you, but you should be able to like see that it is able to do that movement and can respond to that in kind. Whereas I feel like often like asymmetry in at least computer war games can, or grand strategy feels like it's this kind of like mush that can be in this really nice fuzzy place where you're kind of like, you're always sort of making suboptimal decisions um, that can sort of, uh, you know, summon some sort of feeling of uh, emergence in the design and Katata's like, what if we just get rid of a lot of that and say, you're playing this battle in front of your face right now, make a right. decision, which I think is very similar. And it's not, you know, it's not a, not a coincidence that that feels more like kind of modern strategic board games like Root or Inish or, you know, Twilight Imperium to an extent where so much of those games can't do that sort of upkeep that computer strategy games do. So like you look at something like Root and it's like each of these factions is fundamentally different, but they're different in these ways that are directly legible to you and the other players who are playing the game and hopefully have some understanding of your faction. Um, but like, you can just see that, uh, you can like see the asymmetry more clearly right. represented uh, not only through like mechanics, but through like the units themselves. Yeah. They're, they're human scale numbers. They're very comprehensible. Uh, yeah, man, we tried to it immediately make sense. Like, yeah. Every number in Cantata, we try to have be like lower than like 15. Right. unless it's like supposed to be big. One of the first things that I noticed when I was first doing the game was that like players do not care or it is, it is impossible to reason about the difference between the number like 27 and 28. Like, what does that mean? You're, you're not wrong. Total war, humankind, what's civilization. The, what's the they difference really between, care. Right. They really care that you can see the difference between 27 and 28 or like any numbers that are on a scale from zero to 200 or something. And we were just sort of like that. You just, you can't make a decision with that. Like it's part of the reason that I don't really like King of Dragon Pass for the mechanic side. Cause it's like, what's the difference between 13 and 12 cows? I don't know. It's not, like it's not all, I, all I care about is that when I move this slider, the like the, the little piece of text to the right of the slider changes to say that I am now heavily encumbered or in medium. Like that's, that's the thing that I care about. And so Cantata tries to do a lot of that stuff of boiling a lot of these things down to say, like, if you see a number, you should be able to like directly reason about it, right. which surprisingly is a pretty like revolutionary idea. Like people don't do that. They kind of expect this fuzziness to exist. It is. Um, uh, it's increasingly rare in the video game space, right? Yeah. Because you can have giant floating point integers or whatever. So you just do. Yeah. Don't do that. You don't have I mean, to. you can, you can do right. that. Listen, I love, I love these games to be clear. I'm not trying to, this is not trying to turn into like a hate on for telling you not to do that. Me. Yeah. I can, because I'm, I'm not have a professional stake in being <laughs> friends with other developers or being part of some greater community. <laughs> I'm just going to get away with it right now. Speaking of getting away with things, we've gotten about an hour in, so I think we're probably going to wind it down. I'll have Lynn cut this, but. Uh, was there any last thing you wanted to say about the about the game and about uh, your launch soon into early access? Yeah, I mean, so Cantata launches into early access May 12th. Um, 
You can wishlist that on Steam. That does legitimately help uh, the game just get visibility. Um, we have a Discord, uh, like every other video game in 2022, which you feel free to join. Um, I think, like, the, I mean, the biggest thing is that uh, we're really going into early access with an intention of working with people who really like what we're doing to kind of make this game be great. I think that we have something on our hands that feels like it could be something. And I think that there is the, what we're going to deliver to people um, will be really exciting. Um, But I think we're also like, you know, these big teams (laughs) that we're talking about, uh, they have like hundreds of people who can test their games every day to tell them if they're good or not. Like we don't have that. And we still have like the unit complexity of those games that makes balancing and like testing this stuff just like really hard. And so we're hoping that people can like help us just in doing that and saying like, Hey, this faction feels like slightly imbalanced this way. Like we're really going to early access, not as like a PR move, but to say like, we want to work with the people who are going to actually play this game to make this game be the thing that they want to play. Um, yeah. And Kyle, other, I, I oh, do ahead, think you're sorry. right to say that because I do think that at least as far as the kind of people who listen to three moves ahead go, this is actually the kind of game that I think a lot of you will be interested in checking out. Uh, at least watching someone else play it if it's if it doesn't look like your cup of tea because uh you're going to see something unique here and and these are the this is the kind of game design where the developers do want your <laughs> feedback because I don't I don't think anyone knows what this is going to look like when it when it hits uh, a massive audience to play it. Mm-hmm. The only other thing I'll say as a as a three moves ahead exclusive um is that we are going to have a uh, map generator mode uh, at early access um, at launch. This is like a, this is not public yet. So That's you thrilling. get this first. Um, it's going to be rough. It's going to be coming in real hot. Uh, and that will kind of be the main focus of what we want to do in early access is basically make that thing be great. Uh, and then, you know, the benefit of that is that that, w- that would then work for every mod. So you want to have your procedurally generated terrain star wars tactics game like got great news for you <laughs> it's yeah and that's, hopefully that's it will thrilling. happen soon so is that um, going to be something that you have working with uh your like your online pvp co-op or your oh yeah all uh, the above are you still doing shared like split split screen local uh yeah so we have so the the multiplayer at at early access release will not be there but we are through the course of early access going to have uh um online multiplayer or co-op it doesn't really matter uh, as well as hot seat and sort of a mixture between those two so and that will be with not only our maps but um eventually like modded maps as well so you'd be able to like join a lobby kind of like civ style join a lobby you start a map it generates everyone gets that map and everyone's playing on that map together um and yeah that's a uh, that's going to happen. I think it'll be cool. <laughs> well, yeah, it's very, it's very exciting. And everyone loves the phrase hot seat. If they listen to this podcast, yeah, everyone I, loves, I don't know if people actually it. do hot seat. Do people do hot seat anymore? I, I feel like I it's do. more of like a, I'm the one who uses it. Do you play with yourself? Like, no, <laughs> every day, but that has nothing to do with video yeah. games. Anyways, I, I do. I make friends come over and like the board game, the friends that I would have over to play a board game. Sometimes I'll make them uh-huh. sit down on the couch and play a hot seat. That's okay. great. I'm go- okay, we're doing it for you, John. We will have the hot seat in. I am um, basically always a shoe in for split screen or local yeah. co-op. I'm a sucker for it. Really am. <laughs> Perfect. And I think I think more people should be. Anyways, Kyle, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk today on of the course. podcast. And to everyone at home, thank you so much for listening. This has been Three Moves Ahead. Uh, you can, of course, learn more about this podcast at idlethumbs.com slash 3MA. As we are part of the Idle Thumbs Network, you can also comment there on the Idle Forums. You can get us on Twitter at 3MA, and you can learn more about how the podcast is supported on patreon.com slash 3MA. Again, for myself, for Kyle, this is John signing off. <laughs>